Friends, great to be with you. Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show. That's right. Let's get the party started. Oh, boy. I don't know if you heard this, but I have great news for you if you didn't. The economy is actually doing great. I'll let that sink in for a moment because that is precisely what the White House wants us to know. Perplexingly, last night, spokeslesbian press secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, speaking on behalf of the Biden administration, said this in response to Don Lemon's question saying, eh, so the economy is not doing too great. So first of all, um, the American Rescue Plan met the moment and it has put us in a place where we can actually uh, uh, put us in a place where the American people feel can, can, can actually we can take on inflation. What I mean by that is we've, see, we've seen growth, right, with, eight, as I mentioned, more than 8 million jobs. And now we're transitioning into a steady, a stable growth. The president actually wrote an op-ed to discuss that himself, talk, lay out his plan on how we're going to bring down inflation. And so that's really important. In order uh, to take this on, we got to have some uh, be in a good historic economic place, which is where we are right now. Where we are right now. By the way, Ms. Jean-Pierre, the entire problem with inflation in large part is due to the damn rescue plan because an inordinate amount of free money was dumped into this economy. And I, along with many others, as it was happening, saying, hold on, All of a sudden, you give every American a few thousand extra dollars that they didn't have. They love it. They love you for it. You win votes. I got all of that. But when you drop in that much money, almost unilaterally among all households across the U.S., prices are going to go up because that's economics. There are certain rules of how these things work. And that is one of them. And I'll I'll just explain it to you real simple. If there's five things to buy at the store and there are 10 people that want those five things, and there was a certain price that dictated that five people would wait to buy them and the other five could buy them. The minute you come along and you give all 10 people an extra, I don't know, $5, $10, $1,000, it doesn't matter what the what the amount is. The minute you give all 10 people an equal amount of money, their purchase power goes up across the board. And what happens to prices? Prices are not set to the value of the good. Value of the good, of course, coming from what? How much supply and how much demand you have for that good? Sure. How much of it is available? Sure. And what the people can afford to pay? So when you raise people's ability to pay, you end up with prices going up. And that is what they did. So they're bragging about the American Rescue Plan, saying we're in a great spot to meet all this, you know, this, how might I put this politely, crap storm that is headed our way, economically speaking. It's here in many ways when it comes to gas prices, cost of 
consumable goods, rents, where do I go? Now we're going to have, of course, as a consequence, we have the Fed raising interest rates, so that makes housing more expensive across the board. We'll also continue to raise rents. So I'm, ah, I bring all this up. They do not understand it, or they think that you and I are too stupid to understand it. I think it's a mixture of both. But do not let them get away with this. They're going to take credit for the rescue plan. We got us through COVID. Sure, by, I mean, Trump, it started under Trump. But the minute Biden got in office, more money, more money. And the Democrats in Congress and the White House in concert with the Democrats in Congress, they spent money like drunken whores. And now we are in the twilight, so to speak. So to me, this, this, is, this is watching a train wreck uh, happening right before our eyes. And, and so I, you know, I, I'm talking to people in the financial sector and what they see being good and bad coming from the increase and the likely increase in, uh, in, in the cost of borrowing, uh, interest rates going up uh, about 0.75%, which will be, I believe, the largest rate increase in over 20 years. But the benefit, of course, being that it, it, it uh, in theory, ought to slow inflationary trends, make money more expensive. But the, 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 other, the other side of that I keep coming back to, again, housing becomes more expensive. The, the cost of, of loans, taking out loans, construction loans becomes more expensive. And so you're, you're going to have a slowdown maybe in the new home market. But I believe on the rental side, I, I don't see any relief coming for rents. And, and many, many, many of you out there have seen your rent go up year over year. And I don't, I don't see any end in sight for that, unfortunately. So the Biden administration, they don't have a plan. They're telling people that the economy is just great. And according to Karine Jean-Pierre, press secretary, she is saying that we are transitioning into a steady, stable growth. Nothing, by the way, could be further from the truth. All right. In other news... Finally, the awaited interview of Hunter Biden's ex-wife Kathleen Buell hit Good Morning America today. Now she she is she's got a lot to say. And then again, I was struck by the fact that she did not have a lot to say. Uh, what I mean by that is she's being very careful and coy. I I think she recognizes, and her attorneys have told her that there is an active criminal investigation into Hunter Biden. Now, we know we've got two tracks of justice in this country, justice for Republicans, which is straight to the guillotine for the most part, and then justice for Democrats, which that's where you have the, uh, you know, yes, the reformative justice. You sit in a circle, you talk about your feelings, and you go on your way. And so I, a lot of her answers were actually non-answers because they were getting into things related to, for example, finances. And we know that the biggest scandal that is facing us right now that no one's really talking about is the fact that Joe Biden, through Hunter Biden, got a lot of cash 
from Chinese companies, from Ukrainian companies, and other miscreants. And this cash, these bribes that were coming to him when he was vice president, it's blatant. It's all over the laptop. Everything in that laptop, by the way, that leading up to the 2020 election, we were told was Russian disinformation. All of that stuff. I mean, there were, there were at least 25 individual pieces of evidence on there that should have disqualified Joe Biden as a candidate for president. But of course, recognizing that that was the case, the mainstream media circled wagons around Biden and prevented really anybody talking about it and getting out. If you remember, the New York Post put a lot of these details into print and were banned by Twitter briefly. So this is just insane stuff. So they, uh, they talk about that. Uh, they talk about how she's not really involved in finances. And, and she gets into the in book, and this is what she says about the finances part, because that's really where the criminality lays, right? You can talk about Biden, uh, Hunter Biden, excuse me, being a drug addict, that's fine. Uh, but getting into the finances, that's where it gets sticky for her because there's exposure. You, you co-sign taxes you, you know, when you're a married couple, and usually one, one spouse handles the money more than the other, and, and, and there'll be a spouse that's more in the dark. And when the, when, when the, yeah, when the finance spouse is engaged in a criminal conspiracy, it becomes a slight problem for the non-finance involved spouse. So this is what she says about it. I see it as a punt. I'll see what you think. This was one of the harder parts for me to write and to acknowledge. It's embarrassing to say that I ceded all financial control to my husband. I liked the nice things and I didn't want to think about the cost at which they were coming. Writing this book really helped me to understand how unfair that was to Hunter and how unhealthy that was for me. Now, I don't know Ms. Buell at all. Most people do not say phrases like, it's embarrassing to say that I ceded all financial control to my husband. To me, as an attorney, it sounds like a line that her lawyer told her to repeat. I ceded all financial control. So that's what I hear there. And then when it says, I like the nice things, you know, writing this book really helped me to understand how unfair that was to Hunter, how that was to Hunter, and how unhealthy that was for me. I, you know, one of the things she probably realized writing the book is also suddenly being involved in something that involved her personal finances. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, these the people who write tell-all books, and if they're in politics or they're, uh, you know, I don't know, a stay-at-home mom like, you know, she was, whatever the case is, suddenly they realize how the world works, right? They're dealing with talking to a literary agent, talking to lawyers, talking to everything. So no doubt this experience helped her realize that it, you know, that it was, yeah, that there's a lot more to the universe that she didn't understand. And I believe that, but, uh, but I do, I think in all of this here, I think it's clear to me that there is an active criminal investigation, which we know about, that the inner circle, the Biden inner circle, is freaked out about it, okay? Because she's using very guarded language. 
Uh, and, and, and I'll tell you, here's, here's another case and point of this. The interviewer uh, named Amy Robach, GMA, Good Morning America, asks, if you were called to testify, would you have anything to say? Listen to this BS response. No, I have buried my head in the sand. I really hope that's a lesson that women hear. Understand your finances, take responsibility for them. <laughs> yeah, see? If you were called to testify, would you have anything to say? And immediately she goes to the finances because that's where the investigation is. And that's where I believe the heat is turning up on the Bidens. And I ha no, I, I, have, I have zero faith, of course, that the, I have zero faith that, that, that the Justice Department will do anything about this. Although I believe Biden ought to appoint an independent counsel to specifically look at this because this, this needs to, this needs to be, be dealt with. But notice how she immediately goes talking to the finances and then her defense is, I didn't know anything. I buried my head in the sand, she says. This here right now, it might sound like a little bit of TMZ level stuff. Trust me, friends, trust me when I say this. This is a glimpse into where this disaster train is headed. And that begs the question, how does this affect how does this affect 2024? Because there's other signals being sent by the Democrats saying they want Joe out of the way. And I think that this is a critical component. I will explain what I mean by that when we return. You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky, your host, back in a moment. Accountability after an accident means more than just a settlement check. It means getting you back to 100%. We hold the insurance company accountable for what they owe you. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Boom. Yes, I voted today in person together with Ash, the attorney, uh, we did it. We went over to Meadows Mall, given that we're right here in downtown Las Vegas. And to my bewilderment, there was absolutely no signage anywhere to be found. We had to Columbo our way to the location of the of the of the voting area, which was in the, in the basement level inside the mall. So, look, if any of you are out there here in Las Vegas voting today, today, of course, is the last day is Election Day. So go out and vote and uh, do that. And just know that not every polling place is, is marked the way you would think it should be. Yeah. Anyway, you're listening to the What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, reporting for duty and right before the break, talking about the tell-all book, Kathleen Buell, the former ex-wife of Hunter Crackpipe Biden, and talking about, I mean, she's answering questions, being very circumspect about the finances, which lends me to believe that there is a very serious ongoing investigation into that, and certainly members of Hunter Biden's inner circle are worried that they have exposure. Wives who, uh, this is basically what she claims, Ms. Buell claims, is that she had no financial control in the marriage. She basically just grew to like nice things and let Hunter take care of business. Wives of that type, they, they have exposure in financial cases because they sign the tax return. You know, under penalty of perjury, I declare that 
Now, this is all true. And typically, it's not much of a defense, but the defense that, that works is the, the, the wife says, well, I just signed the form, and I, I, I really have no idea, no involvement anything going on. And that's exactly what she's saying. Now, I'm taking all of this information, and I never try to look at an issue just in a vacuum. I always try to tie it all together for you so we understand that there are multiple moving pieces out there that, that are connected or interconnected. And one of the stories that is percolating now out there and is getting uh, more attention than it has ever before is the question of Joe Biden running in 2024. And I believe that the calls that you're hearing, the public dissent from several noteworthy Democrats, that Biden step down and declare his intent not to run now is telling. Now, the reason that he's being told this, we are led to believe, based on reports in the media and the comments of some of these Democratic leaders themselves, is that it's time for a fresh, younger face and that in order to win, you know, it comes down to viability of Biden as a candidate, that he really ought to make way for someone who is sprightly young, let's say 65. Now, I think there's a lot more to it than this. And bear with me here as I explain. I think that this, for one, I think that this question of this, 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 Biden, this Hunter Biden nonsense is heating up. And I think there are a number of significant buried skeletons that are almost certainly due to come out in the next election that could bury Biden as a candidate. And they know it because these are the people that have been protecting him from it. The climate in 24 is going to be different than it was in 20. One, you have the economy, right? You've got the economy that now is on, on, going to be on everybody's minds, and I doubt that we're going to be suddenly in a boom come a year and a half, two years from now. It's not going to happen. So we are likely going to be in a place of greater crisis, of, of greater economic pain and whatnot than we are today. Not good for the incumbent party. We're also likely going to be in a place, and this is the most important thing, friends. You've ah, trust me on this. They've looked at the polls. They see themselves losing the House, they being the Democrats. So consequently, they're looking at all of this and they're going, a Republican House, after all the shenanigans that we've pulled over the last six years. A Republican House is going to investigate the living daylights out of the Biden crime family. Trust me on this. this the, the Republicans are gearing up for blood. The, in, the freshman Republican that go, that go in in, in, uh, in 23, in January 23, are going to have sharpened knives and ready to go for the kill. And so I, I say this, I say this, friends, because... They're looking at Biden as a liability, and they're looking at him as somebody who literally could be taken down over the next years. That's why they want him now to declare that he's not running. They want him out of the way. They want him a lame duck. 
They want to be able to put in a fresh, clean face. They know what's coming. They understand it, and that's why. They've told him all this stuff in private, and he said no. And so now they're taking him in public. And the next step after this, mark my words, the next step after this is they start letting uh, justice and whatnot go after him because they want him out of the way they see him as a political liability, and they're willing to use the same things the Republicans will use to take Biden out. Mark my words. Okay, when we come back, Supreme Court justices, the— uh, well, there's been an update from Washington, and you'll want to hear what that is. Don't go anywhere. What's Right show back right after this. Sam and Ash here with a What's Right PSA. If you've been hurt and a lawyer reaches out to you first, run the other way. It's unethical, and honest lawyers don't do it. Don't let your lawyer choose you. If a tow truck driver, mechanic, or anyone at the ER tells you which injury lawyer to hire, chances are that person has a shady deal with the lawyer. Don't risk your future with a crooked lawyer. Choose the law firm you know you can trust. Call us, 702-820-1234 or visit salmonashlaw.com. Common sense conservatism dished out daily here, Monday through Friday on the What's Right show. Sam Rajofsky here, your host, Nevada's favorite recovering Californian. That's me. I always talk about that, that I'm a recovering Californian. The reason for this by the way, is I want all of you who came here before me because you sought out a state with some freedoms and economic opportunity, I just want you to know I did not bring my insanity back from California with me. So I am, I took my experiences in California saw what was done wrong and said to myself, let's not repeat those things here, which is not what I can say for for many of my friends and neighbors who have moved from California. Many of them want to just try the same insanity again and hope perhaps for a slightly different result. So here is the scoop. Uh, Moments ago, the House passed a Senate bill providing security to Supreme Court justices' families. Uh, It was passed uh, 396 to 27. That means 27 House Democrats, yes, they were all Democrats, did not want 24-hour protection for Supreme Court justices' families. Uh, similar to what's already provided for certainly the executive branch and even some members of the legislative branch, i.e. Nancy Pelosi. Though poor, poor Paul can't even get a driver. You know, he's uh, crashing into cars drunk up in Napa. So figuring that out. The Senate bill was introduced three days after Politico published the leaked draft opinion in the Dobbs case. Dobbs is the uh, is the decision, the draft opinion and the decision on the case that would uh, change and overturn Roe. So uh, the Senate acted quickly. The House waited for more than a month before approving the bill. I think they're doing it now because there is an imminency. I've talked about this again and again. There is an imminency to the decision in Dobbs being released and not the Not the draft opinion, but this time the official final record of the courts deciding uh, a decision in that case. And and I I think 
I, I think the, the, there's real concern that harm could come to the, to the justices. Now, I, the, by the way, the 911 call came out. I think yesterday they released this. This is the kid who, a kid, I mean, he's 22 years old. He goes, packs up a backpack full of death gear and travels over, he's from, from California, travels all the way out to, uh, to Chevy Chase, Maryland, and, uh, and goes to uh, Brett Kavanaugh, Justice Kavanaugh's house. Nicholas Roski is his name. He ends up calling 911 from outside Kavanaugh's house. He's talking about his plan and what weapons he had to execute the plan. Listen to this. It's a 911 call, so he's not the best audio. But this is him. He sounds pretty calm, but kind of chilling, too. That dude came from California. Did you know someone down here? Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice. And what were you uh, coming to there just to hurt yourself and him? Correct. I brought a firearm with me. Where's the firearm now? It's in a suitcase, and I'm standing near it, but the suitcase is zip-tied shut. What other weapons are in the suitcase? Uh, there's pepper spray, there's a knife, various tools. Oh, I brought a suitcase. I'm standing near it, but the suitcase is zip-tied shut. So the operator asks, what other weapons are in the suitcase? And he goes, well, there's pepper spray, there's a knife, various tools. Now, I was on with Alan Stock this morning, and we were talking about this. One thing Alan said, and I, I couldn't agree more with him, is that if this was a young white male found with these implements and saying what he is saying about his intentions, if he was found in the middle of the night in front of, say, Justice Sonia Sotomayor's house, this story, this guy's name would be a household name by now, okay? We would be talking about, I mean, we white supremacy, the whole nine yards, right? That we don't even know who this Nicholas Roski kid is really, and that it's all been brushed under the rug. It got attention for a day or two, and then, then it went away, is everything you need to know about the media bias that exists in this country at this time. But let's set that aside for a second. This is disturbing. And in talking to Alan, you know, he goes, well, it wasn't an attempted assassination. I guess it wasn't. And I, I, we had other things to talk about. We're on time limits, so I couldn't push back on it. But, you know, to, again, I'm an attorney, and I look at these attempted, attempted crimes are called inchoate crimes. And they require substantial steps to completing the offense. But it all, but but those substantial steps, by the way, could could be as as simple or as straightforward as, for example, preparing, putting together weaponry, getting uh, I don't know, getting stalking the victim, ambushing a victim, opportunity, putting using a weapon such as a gun or a knife. Collecting the items needed for the murder. These are all things that we use as lawyers, and it's true in virtually every jurisdiction, including Maryland and Virginia, that some actions that can constitute a direct action toward fulfilling the intended crime. So this, this kid 
I think based on what he's saying in this call, he's like, I, he's calm as could be. He's like, I, I'm, I know who I'm here to see. I'm here to see Brett Kavanaugh, and I've got a bag full of knives and guns and weapons. Operator asks him, what were you coming up there to do just to hurt yourself and him? Correct. Well, I know there's an and in there, but but he, he literally tells the operator his intent was to hurt Brett Kavanaugh. And he's got items that are certainly capable of inflicting serious bodily harm, if not death. So I think against this backdrop, the 27 people that voted against this protection for the Supreme Court justices ought to be ashamed of themselves. Absolutely vile, disgusting, and beneath human garbage, scum of the earth. And I'll tell you something about these 27 Democrats that voted this way. They would love, and, and it's not hyperbole, right? I, I, I want to be very clear about this. They would love nothing more than one of these crazy left-wing gun-toting maniacs to come along and take out one or two conservative justices. They are so intent on Roe v. Wade staying law, and they're so ironically, so worried about them not even being able to get their gun control, right? Gun control, <laughs> gun control passed a pro-Second Amendment Supreme Court that they are perfectly willing for an armed gun-toting liberal activist to go out and take out one or two justices, This is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely crazy. Not un, um, not, 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 not unheard of, but absolutely crazy. That just got me boiled, um, got my blood boiling. All right. So hopefully this, all of this funding comes into place. Protection for the justices and their families can come into place. Because again, if you're looking to vote on this decision, and you have three young kids that go to school somewhere in suburban Virginia or Maryland. And, and you, I mean, you've seen how radical these fanatics are. These, these pro-abortion activists are maniacal. They're frightening. It's funny, the left talks about extremism a whole lot, but they're unable to view their own crazies with any amount of objectivity. And the reason is because their crazies in their mind help their cause and not hurt. And that's the dirty secret to that. All right, Jonah Goldberg, well-known conservative, wrote a column in the New York, uh, excuse me, LA Times that I have taken some issue with. And I want to get into that when we come back. Uh, also, Google helped nab the Capitol rioters. I'll explain how that happened and what you should do next time you show up to a Save the Steal uh, stop the steel rally. Uh, Sam Rajofsky here. What's right show back right after this. Among the 27 Democrats who voted no today, no to making sure that Supreme Court justices, families are protected from gun toting crazies out there intent to kill among the 27 that voted no to this is our own Steve Horsford in Nevada, Nevada's fourth congressional district. 
So, Horsford, time to go, man. Time to go, and this selection may very well be the one where you get the boot because this, this is beyond words and shame on you. Honestly, what an embarrassment. What an embarrassment to Nevada you are, sir. Oh, he's, by the way, in good company. Rashida Talib. He's got Maxine Waters on his side. <laughs> Who else? Oh, of course, AOC. And again, this is, to me, a no-brainer, right? You, they want these, these 27, you know what they want? They want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tone back a little what I said right before the break. They, they, they don't necessarily want violence to befall them, although it's possible they do. What they want, what's clear from this, is they want the justices to be intimidated. And it's the same group of Democrats that are going, showing up to their jobs instead of worrying about our economy that is affecting so many of us and our families. They're showing up to work every day in Congress and worrying about January 6th, 2021. A year and a half ago, they're worrying about that. They're worrying about that quote-unquote political violence, and they have no interest in stopping actual, current, contemporary political violence that is occurring against members of the Supreme Court here and now. Absolutely shameful and disgusting and sad. Steve Horsford ought to be ashamed of himself. All right, let's discuss this column that I, oh my goodness. Friends, I do read the LA Times and the New York Times and the Washington Post. I do it so you don't have to. In fact, every time that my, you know, I, I have things on, on Apple Pay, and the minute that I see those subscriptions hit, well, my Washington Post goes through Amazon, but regardless, I see it hit, I see the charge hit. It's not the amount of money that it is, it's that I'm giving them any amount of money to these cretins. But I have to do it because staying current and informed, and reading what the opposition has to say is part of my job, which I take very seriously here on the What's Right show. Sam Rajofsky is who I am, in case you're just tuning in. So here's the column. Jonah Goldberg, he's someone I grew up reading, young gun over at the National Review, which once upon a time was actually a decent political magazine. It has since largely devolved into toilet talk among establishment Republicans who absolutely fundamentally do not understand where the conservative movement is headed. Now, by way of background, before I tell you what Jonah's idea is here, Goldberg is somewhat of a, a, a political aristocrat. Uh, his, his family is, is a... Uh, yeah, his family's connected politically, and he, you know, his his mother, yeah, yeah, she was involved in the Clinton Lewinsky scandal, and uh, you know, she was the one who gave advice to Linda Tripp. This is all by way of background. So he's a major establishment Washington D.C. guy, but always was a political conservative, or so it seemed. One thing he was from almost the beginning is someone who fundamentally did not understand where the Trump movement came from. And he's the kind of Republican that really did not like that at Trump campaign events, 
the folks that sat in the front row looked more like you and me and less like the the you know the restricted country club that maybe you know people in suburban Maryland attend because for years whenever you went to a republican event it was wine tasting it was cheese and crackers it was a whole lot of high level snobby stuff that was so out of touch with us it was so out of touch and trump comes along and all of a sudden at his rallies at his campaign events you have regular americans okay i call it barbecue versus wine tasting it was much more of a barbecue crowd and i'll be honest from the get-go guys like goldberg could not contend with this they just they hated it they loathed it so here's his column how i learned to stop worrying and love the january 6th committee I saw this title and I thought, oh, if he could not have stooped any lower, he just did. So here's in part what it reads. For some, including me from time to time, this is Jonah Goldberg, we had a vague hope that these hearings would so conclusively prove Trump's lies about the stolen election and his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, that Trump would be permanently discredited and that his defenders would admit their error like Claude Rains in the climatic comeuppance and Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Then he gets sad. He goes, well, that's not going to happen either, at least not in the satisfying schadenfreude-rich cinematic way we feel we deserve. But I've decided that's okay. And listen to this, because here's what the hearings are well on their way to do. Create a safe space for elected Republicans, activists, and conservative media figures to state openly what many already knew. The election wasn't stolen. Trump lied about it being stolen. So that's what this whole thing is about. The Democrats in Capitol Hill are busy creating a safe space for conservative media figures to be able to feel comfortable saying, yeah, the election wasn't stolen. Can I ask you a question? I'm just going to be honest. I, it, you, I love all of you in the audience. I love how you, you, you give me feedback and we, we interact off, off the air and, and check in. Of course, you can always find me at What's Right Show is our show Instagram, at What's Right Sam, is my personal Instagram and Twitter. Sam at Sam and Ash Law is my email. You can email me anytime. I, I want to ask you something. So Trump hasn't been able to prove that the election was stolen, right? Okay. Now, how, how do we know that it wasn't stolen? I'm just applying logic here. It, we don't have proof. We don't have any definitive proof either way. We have matters of opinion, likelihood, chance, probability, feelings, right? But you see what's cloaked in all of this. It's not about the the lie, the, the great lie of the election being stolen or whether it was or wasn't. That's not what it's about. The distaste that Goldberg and Crystal and all of these conservative, quote-unquote conservative, elitist pricks, what they loathe about Trump, 
because Trump showed them up for the frauds that these guys are. Conservatism is about empowering people, individuals, not big corporations, not big media, not the government. It's about opportunity for individuals. It's about the rich and the poor alike. It's about immigrants. And I say that as someone with a, a powerful immigrant story, I believe, and I'm not going to get into that today, but those of you who've listened know my background. But no, for these Republicans, and they're never going to win a major election. I'm going to tell you that right now. The recipe that Jonah Goldberg has for winning elections, it ain't no recipe. It's a disaster. It's out of touch and it's petty. And the irony, of course, is that they're the ones accusing Trump of being a petty, sad sack loser. And they're still stuck on it. They are still stuck on all of this. They cannot get over the fact that Trump stormed in and within a year and a half took the Republican Party away from them. All these people were big time political insiders and that they totally missed the moment, have no idea what's going on. They despise him for it. And that's how you have to read all of this. Okay, I'll get to the Google geofence stuff later, how this all happened with Capitol Hill, the investigation. That just interests me because I'm a lawyer. I'll get that to that tomorrow. Listen, friends, it's been a great show. If you missed any portion of it, go to the podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcast. That's where we are. Look for What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. I'll see you all again tomorrow. <laughs>